From The Conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where Michelle discusses the issues of the day with The Conversation's politics team. Hi, my name's Amanda Dunn. I'm the Politics and Society Editor for The Conversation and I'm speaking with Michelle Grattan. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Amanda. Michelle, you've been covering federal politics for a long time now. Have you ever come across a story more extraordinary than the one about Scott Morrison secretly swearing himself into five different portfolios while also remaining Prime Minister? Well, it's certainly up there with the most weird stories, I think, uh, of the years. We do know that Scott Morrison uh, is something of a control freak or was as Prime Minister and that he liked to have his uh, hands on everything. But uh, this was a, a very extreme action. Maybe at, right at the start of the pandemic, it would be explicable in terms of the uh, health portfolio, maybe, although really there are mechanisms to uh, act if a minister is struck down by illness or uh, comes to grief in other ways. But certainly the range of portfolios, and we now know there were five portfolios that uh, Scott Morrison was the silent partner in, or at least in one case not the silent partner, the resources portfolio where he went in uh, explicitly to overrule the minister who had power, but on the others he doesn't seem to have exercised the power, but because he's very close to Treasurer Josh Frydenberg, and you'll remember there was all that publicity about them even staying together at the lodge, and yet he neglected to mentioned to Frydenberg, who was also deputy Liberal leader, that uh, he, Morrison, had become treasurer. Yes, and look, Morrison has been on radio this morning and put out a lengthy statement about all this on Facebook, but there's still a lot of things that don't really make sense to my mind, and I'd be interested to hear what you think, Michelle. But one of the weird things is the resources portfolio, because, okay, even if you say, well, he needed this, you know, safeguard in the time of the pandemic, the resources portfolio had nothing to do with the pandemic, did it? No, but in its way, it could be argued it was the least weird of them because the issue in the resources portfolio was gas exploration off the New South Wales coast. And this was much opposed in several uh, crucial seats, which in the end, the Liberals lost anyway, four of them. But Morrison wanted to try and save those seats. He wanted to veto a permit for gas exploration. And the minister, the Nationals Minister Keith Pitt, was strongly against doing so. Now, under the legislation, Keith Pitt had the say. So to get his way against Keith Pitt, and Keith Pitt is a strong character in his own right, I might say, to get his way, Morrison actually needed to get the authority as minister to do that, to veto the the exploration. Yes, but it sort of trashes the whole idea of conservative government, doesn't it? And the accountability and conventions that are embedded in the Westminster system. Oh, the whole arrangement or set of arrangements uh, certainly trashed accountability, transparency, how you treat your colleagues, cabinet, government. There's no doubt about that. Uh, But as I say, if you look at just the resources issue and, and ministry, you can explain it. You don't necessarily justify it, but you can explain it. With the others, there was really no need for this to be done. 
And what about the Governor-General's role in all of this, Michelle? He's come under some criticism for going along with it in the first place, but also for not informing the public of what was happening. Well, I think this criticism is actually misplaced. The Governor-General's role is to be advised by the government and to do what the government says he should do, provided, of course, it's legal. And we do think that these most peculiar arrangements were, in fact, still legal. Now, you could say that the Governor-General should have said to Morrison, well, you sure you want to go down this path? Is it really necessary? Uh, should there be more transparency? And that's a counselling sort of role. We don't know whether he said any of those things. Maybe he said none of them. But in terms of actually taking the government's advice, that's what the Governor-General should do. If the Governor-General went off on a, a, a course of his own, then you get a real constitutional crisis. So I do think that people are failing to understand the role of the Governor-General in saying, well, it was up to him to not do this or make it public or whatever. The Governor-General has issued a statement explaining what he did, and the section of the Constitution, and also saying it was up to the government whether it was made public or not. What sort of wider implications do you think there will be from this story, Michelle? I mean, it seems to me quite concerning that all of this can go on in secret uh, and that and power can be so concentrated in one person by the person himself. I think there are two sets of fallouts, if you like, and one is the uh, arrangements, the sort of governance structures. And a lot of this is convention. Now, assuming all this was legal, maybe there's a case for strengthening the conventions for putting them into a, a more documented form. But I think it's worth just seeing, for example, what the Solicitor General says. Anthony Albanese has asked him to uh, report and that'll come next Monday. And for the, the general debate to be had about whether we do need to formalise some of the conventions. But I think that the greater immediate fallout will be within the opposition. We've already seen frontbencher Karen Andrews say that Scott Morrison should resign from Parliament. Now, he moved into her portfolio. She wasn't told. She's obviously furious about this. And that comes on top of her being caught in the middle of that uh, issue on election day when the government publicised the arrival of a, a boat or the approach of a boat. And I think that Karen Andrews will be just one of those within the opposition who think that really Morrison is just a drag on the coalition as it tries to regroup and will be arguing, perhaps privately rather than the publicly, that he should be out of the place. I note that uh, Morrison himself is stressing his role as a local member. He doesn't seem to be on the move uh, at the moment, although he's not expected to see out the term. Presumably he'll be looking around for some post-politics job before he does make a move, but uh, I think that the party would be uh, better without him. The only problem is, of course, whether in fact it would keep his seat of cook. And with the Teal movement uh, pretty strong, it may be that the Liberals would be pretty worried about a, an independent candidate running in that seat. 
Yes, well, he didn't say much yesterday, but he did send a text message to a journalist saying that he doesn't concern himself with day-to-day -day politics anymore. That would have come as a bit of a shock to the voters of Cook, wouldn't it? Well, that's right, but he was trying to explain that away today. He was saying it was a private message and he was relating uh, it to uh, more general things and, and stressing he really was an active member for Cook. So I think that was uh, shot off in a, a moment of not thinking very clearly. Okay, well, it's an extraordinary story, Michelle, and we will watch closely to see where it goes from here. Terrific to talk with you as always. Thank you. I think it's a story, Amanda, that we'll keep giving, so we might be back to it soon. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Our theme music is by Blue Dot Sessions. You can find more podcasts from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com.